Well, I can guarantee that everyone is spending time thinking about their financial situation, whether they realize it or not. And so I'm all about let's understand the situation and let's let's either maintain it if we're happy with it or let's make changes if we're not. Because when people are avoiding certain things in their financial lives, they're still spending lots of time thinking about it and lots of energy. They're feeling weighed down. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Welcome to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. This is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, and I am very excited today to talk about the topic of financial fitness. And I have the best person to help us unpack this. Her name is Tracy Bissett. She is the Chief Financial Fitness Trainer of Bissett Financial Fitness Incorporated. She educates and empowers individuals notably young adults and entrepreneurs, to take control of their lives, their financial lives, and to do so with confidence. So you can guess why I really like what she's up to. As a former executive of TD Bank, one of Canada's big five banks, Tracy has worked with and in support of thousands of individuals and entrepreneurs to secure the financing that they need. So she has the inside scoop. Uh, This hands on experience, coupled with her formal financial education. She has a master's in business administration, and she's a chartered financial analyst, which is a designation in the financial industry. It really positions her to uniquely coach about all things money. In addition to all of that, she's a full-time professor in financial services at the business school at Centennial College. She definitely speaks. She has her own podcast that I had the fortune to be on, Young Money Podcast, which focuses on financial fitness. And this is exciting. She recently was named a Silver Award winner for the IFSE Institute Award for Financial Literacy Champions through the Wealth Professional Awards in 2020. Wow. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kathleen. I'm really excited to be here today. I am too. You know, there's a lot of things that we have in common um, and a lot of things that are different about how we approach this topic. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to delve right in because I love the use of your language, financial fitness. So because I often talk about money mindsets and financial well-being and don't use that term, can you tell the listeners what your definition of financial fitness is and if it's different than financial literacy uh, or if it's the same? So... Short answer is it's effectively the same, Um, but when I was starting my business and I knew I wanted to focus on empowering people around their financial lives, when I started talking about financial literacy, you can notice that people kind of recoil a little bit uh, because nobody wants to be illiterate. And so when you start throwing around financial literacy, 
implying that people don't know, people already kind of get defensive, they get their guards up, and it doesn't make it a very positive uh, situation. So for me, financial fitness is all about taking that next step in terms of your education, your ability to apply things, and everybody's starting in a different place on their financial fitness journey. I learn new things every single day. If we kind of put it in line with that physical fitness, like you might be taking your first step off the couch, you're going to walk around the block, or you could be um, really physically fit and be going to train for a marathon. Same thing in our financial lives. We might be just starting to learn about different kinds of bank accounts or, or ways to move money around, or we might be becoming a more sophisticated investor. So everybody's starting somewhere on their journey, and the goal is to advance your financial fitness one step at a time every single day. You're going to have missteps. You'll probably take some steps off the path. Life doesn't always go in a nice orderly fashion. Sometimes we have some setbacks. So it's about being open to learning, taking accountability, moving yourself forward and not beating yourself up though if you do have a little bit of a misstep because nobody's perfect and we're, we're all on this journey together at different places. I love that. I love the analogy and the way that fits. Uh, one of the things that's different in our culture, and I know you're based in Canada and I'm in the US, but I would say in North America, one of the differences between you know fitness, physical fitness and financial fitness is that physical fitness, you can kind of brag, I'm going to the gym. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I worked out today, I did this today. Uh, and in some ways we're almost obsessed with that. But the flip side is when we're talking about finances, there's often this taboo against talking about money. How do you work with that in the financial fitness context? I think it's firstly getting rid of the shame. So accepting where you are in, in terms of your financial position, whether it's where you want to be or not, we can't change things necessarily overnight. And so that's, that's a lot of mindset work and actually spending the time to work on that. If you have friends and family who are really not interested in talking about it or focused on it in a positive way, you've got to kind of expand your circle. Uh, so when I was growing up, my household talked very openly about money. And so that kind of followed with me, but I realized pretty quickly that most of my friends didn't have those similar environments. And so people know that in my house we do. So sometimes people ask me questions and definitely now, um, since I've started Bissett Financial Fitness, they absolutely do. No matter where I am, people are always asking me my take on something. And sometimes I have an opinion, sometimes I don't know because I'm always learning, but it's about opening your mind to it, getting around the right people and then being committed to making a change in your own life. And we can't tackle everything at once. So the shame is going to stay. It takes a lot of time to kind of rewire the brain and start new habits. But if we can make it a priority in one of our goals in our life, um, then we can keep, keep moving things forward and improve our situation. So what's interesting to me is you grew up in a house where there wasn't money shame. What do you think, you know, just what do you think kind of mom and dad did right in that regard? So my dad was a banker, um, commercial lender and area leader for, for commercial lending and personal banking. And so talking about his job allowed us to talk about money. But I remember when we were kids, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. I clearly remember her making a grocery list, sitting down at the kitchen table, figuring out how much were these groceries going to cost, when was payday, when were we going to get those groceries. And when they were doing things related to money, they would involve us. 
Um, certainly, we didn't know all the details. Uh, I knew we had enough money for the things that we needed, but I also knew we didn't have surplus money all over the place. We had one car. Um, we were only getting our groceries, as I said, on like the payday. And they were monitoring a budget, and I knew that they had one. And I think it was that willingness um, to share with my brother and I, what was that like so that we could learn new skills and habits because it wasn't the same case in their families, um, both my mom and dad growing up. So they wanted to kind of change things and, and have us be no more than they did at, at that kind of age. I love that because I think, you know, parents, anybody listening in, you can do that. You can include your kids at an appropriate level mm-hmm. in some of the financial tasks and, you know, talking to them about it and even having experiential learning, which it sounds like happened in your family. In my family, I remember my dad um, and I would balance the checkbook together. And it was like this fun activity, as geeky as that sounds, in this special time with dad. So I never really thought that that was you know, oh, I have to balance my checkbook. It was always like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to hang out with dad. We're going to balance the checkbook. So when I got my own checkbook, you know, when I was 16, 17, whatever age that was, you know, I looked forward to doing that. So I do think that's such a key. And I love that they broke that cycle in your family and that now you're breaking that cycle for other folks. Hi, it's Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Breaking Money Silence podcast. I want to take a quick time out to tell you a little bit about financial therapy. Yes, financial therapy. That word keeps showing up in the media more and more, but I've been doing financial therapy for years. And in 2023, I'm going to expand this part of my business. And I wanted you, my podcast listeners, to be the first to know. If you're curious about what is financial therapy, just know that it helps individuals and couples change unhealthy money habits attitudes that cause them stress, anxiety, and lead them to feel uncomfortable with money. If you have trouble making big decisions, if you find that you're shopping too much, carrying too much debt, worrying about money, even though you shouldn't be worrying about money because there's enough in the bank, it may be time to consider financial therapy. The benefits are numerous and individual, but former clients have told me that they have experienced in a very short period of time, a decrease in money-related anxiety and stress. They have less conflict about money in their relationships and they engage in more productive money conversations. The advisors that refer clients to me say, finally, my clients can make the changes in their financial behaviors in order to save for their future. So if this sounds appealing to you and you want to know a little bit more, I have a special offer. I'm offering a free 30-minute consultation to anyone who's interested in learning more about financial therapy. You can email me at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com or you can go to the show notes, click on the schedule link and set something up via my automatic calendar. If you're listening to this not on my website and you find that I don't want to do that, I would rather just reach out to you directly. Feel free to use my private email at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com and shoot me an email letting me know you'd like to take advantage of this time-limited offer. So my hope is we'll chat about financial therapy soon. And now it's time to get back to our regular programming. Some people may say, well, you know what? I don't really want to spend time and energy focused on my financial fitness. I got a lot of other stuff going on. In your opinion, why is it worth investing the time and energy? And then potentially, you know, some of these, whether it's coaching, whether it's a group program, whether it's, 
you know, working with an advisor costs money. So why is it worth it? Well, I can guarantee that everyone is spending time thinking about their financial situation, whether they realize it or not. And so I'm all about let's understand the situation and let's let's either maintain it if we're happy with it or let's make changes if we're not. Because when people are avoiding certain things in, in their financial lives, they're still spending lots of time thinking about it and lots of energy. They're feeling weighed down. And I know when people ask me questions and they get some answers they're happy about, when they're able to actually move things ahead, you can visibly see almost this weight lift off their shoulders. You can see the stress dissipating. And, and so whether you realize it or not, everybody who's listening has got this on their mind. So it's taking up time, energy, space in their lives, which can then impact physical health, can impact all your relationships. So why not use that time in a positive, productive way? depending, as you said, if you're, you're going to be paying for something, that will help accelerate the process. And we have no shame when it comes to other things in our lives getting help. If my furnace breaks, if, my, if something happens to my toilet, I'm going to call professionals to come and fix it. And there's no shame in that. So it, it's something that we don't have a skill for. And there's uh, no reason to think that you necessarily would. All of the school systems are still doing a poor job at educating uh, young people. When you become an adult, there's no further training. So we can think about it as getting the support we need and accelerating us getting to a good place. I think that kind of reframes it. But we're spending the time anyway. So let's make it a positive experience. Let's move the needle forward as opposed to spinning our, our wheels kind of in the same old situation and not having any solutions or not moving forward. It is so surprising that in 2023 that still school systems are not incorporating this on a regular basis in their curriculum. Yeah, it's it's pretty poor. <laughs> so we have yeah. the same situation in Canada. I know you've got it in the US and it's more important than some of the other things you, that might be taught at school. And uh, I just, it, it really boggles my mind. Yeah, and I, I do think it has to do with the money shame and there's all sorts of layers there that we're not gonna unpack today. But one of the things that I really like about what you, you're up to is you do work with um, a lot of millennials and a lot of entrepreneurs. I know some other groups as well. But when you think about you know both of those groups, or maybe it's a millennial that is an entrepreneur, when you think about them as a group or as a generation, what do you think the biggest mistake is that they're making based on, you know, in terms of financial fitness or my term financial well-being? I would say the biggest mistake I see across everybody I work with is wanting to skip over the basics. So every young adult that I work with, they want to jump to investing. So that's where they <laughs> like want to start. cryptocurrency, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so how can I do investing? Well, okay, number one, do you know how much money you make? Like, let's start with the basics. Like, how much is your paycheck? Are you eligible for bonus? Do you have any benefits at work? Things like that. So trying to leap over the basics and, and, and have that make sense because people think it sounds sophisticated and really glamorous to be investing. Let, let's get our, ourselves knowledgeable about the facts. Let's see if we're leaving any money on the table, particularly if we're employed with a larger corporation where there's tons of benefits, either in um, savings for us or actually money available to us. But let's, let's figure out how much money is coming in, how much is going out, and what's our situation. And then we can see if we've got debt, are we going to pay down debt? Do we have some money left over? Let's learn about investing. But let, let's get a, a true understanding of where we are. And business owners do it as well. Um, it's, it's very common. People feel like they're, they're taking kind of a, 
uh, baby steps if they start with the basics, but you can't move forward confidently without a solid foundation. So you've got to start at the beginning. It's so interesting that people jump right there. Generationally, do you think, and you may not know, but do you think the older generation, like your parents or my parents, would have come in and said, we need to focus on investing? I feel like they would have focused on the basics. Yeah, I think so as well, because they also didn't have as much knowledge about investing and they also, social media wasn't a thing, so they weren't seeing it advertised all over the place. There weren't influencers out there pushing different products and types of investments. So I think it is now marketed and so people are susceptible to marketing and so it's really top of mind. But the danger in that is that you step over the basics and, and you can't really do much if you don't have the foundation. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. Um, the other group that I know I'm passionate about, and I'm sure you work with as well, is women. And so I want to take a moment to think about women and, and especially your focus on confidence. That's another piece that I really like about your message. And so the research says, in general, there's a lot of different research out there that says that women are less confident in terms of their relationship with money or their money skills than their male counterparts. I'm wondering, in your experience training and coaching and teaching the next generation, do you find that that's true or do you feel like that's a myth that's being perpetuated? I think it is still true. I think women are more open to learning, but women are structurally at a disadvantage. They make less than men. It's a proven fact. Things cost more for women. And so um, their ability to do things actually gets kind of constrained by some of those harsh realities that are out there. So having less money to be able to potentially go and invest doesn't allow you to do as much as, as your male counterparts. There's still that kind of, uh, I see it that people don't want to look stupid, so they don't want to ask questions. Women are better, I think, at asking questions if they get into the right environment. And so what's really important for women who are listening who want to advance their financial fitness is to interview people just like if you were going to go out and look for a date and for a, a partner for your life, you're going to go out on a bunch of dates. You've got to do that as well with somebody you might look to assist you with um, improving your financial life. Even if it's podcasts you're listening to, even if it's books you're reading, don't just take the first recommendation from somebody. Read it, listen to it. If it's a human, when you're talking to them, make sure you feel comfortable so you can ask the questions, share your insecurities, and get the answers that you need so that you can strengthen your foundation. And the women I see who are doing that, they're very successful and it empowers them to just do more and more and more. And I actually work with a lot of couples through the coaching that I do with uh, entrepreneurs. And oftentimes the man has the business and the woman is coming in and supporting kind of on the administrative and financial side. And it usually starts off, there's a lack of confidence. But as we're moving through um, the mandate together, that really changes. And all of a sudden now we've got things balanced out. And most of the time for the couples, that's great because the, the husband was looking for someone to be the equal partner there in terms of running this business and have the confidence as well. Because it's not necessarily uh, that the, the husband knew what, everything that was going on. They just made it seem like they did. Uh, yeah, so, exactly. so being able to be true partners and make decisions together and have contrary viewpoints, all of that helps when you, when you have a good foundation and you're able to ask good questions, be able to state an opinion, ask for clarification, all of that leads to confidence. So I think it's changing, but it's, it's not changing fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I wonder about is 
it's a reality, but the more we tell women that they aren't financially confident, at what point does it become a self-fulfilling prophecy? Something I've been thinking about, you know, like we need to kind of change the message. And I do think that we don't talk enough about men, not all men, but research shows that men are overconfident. And so mm, there's some- About everything, <laughs> not just money. <laughs> there's some, some middle ground that I think we all need to find around our relationship with money. So when you're thinking about and you can pick either group or both. You know, if you're thinking about working with a couple or working with uh, an entrepreneur or business owner, what are the steps or what are the first couple of steps that you encourage people to take to improve their relationship with money? Um, the first thing is to observe any kind of feelings that are coming up for them. And it always sounds a little bit strange to them that this is the first thing I get them to do, but I want to see what kind of emotions they have around it so that I can be aware and then I can be pointing it out to them as we're moving along. So if you come from a household where there wasn't much money and maybe there was a lot of drama around that lack of money, that probably brings up anxiety, stress, maybe you've got a pain in your stomach, all that kind of stuff. So let's let's get that out there and try to understand that first. And then I think the next uh, best step is to actually get a lay of the land. What's the financial situation for you personally or in this business? Let's understand factually. Let's gather the information. And once we understand the situation, then we can move forward. But if we don't have the, the actual details, we're just hypothesizing. Nine out of 10 times people imagine the situation is worse than it actually is. So that's making them feel more stressed. So let's get the facts and then let's work together on, on kind of productive solutions. So those are my, my two steps. First is really around your, your mind and your emotions. And then second is just about getting a reality check. I love the reality check part because it's interesting because our, our emotions can kind of uh, will definitely hijack us. And, you know, no matter how good or bad it looks, you at least have what's reality. But I know even myself and I, you know, I coach people. I certainly have done my own money work and my own, you know, emotional work. But occasionally there's times where I was like, oh, I don't want to look at it. But then once I do, I actually feel better. So uh, I think those are, are great tips to kind of do that. And what I love about what you're doing and people um, like us in the financial therapy, financial coaching space is really having someone to do that with you to kind of mm -hmm. coach along the way. And I know you have a, a lot of different programs, but talk a little bit about the type of work that you do and where can people find out more about it if they're interested in learning more. Absolutely. So the Young Money podcast is um, podcast been going strong since 2017. So we're, we're getting up to almost 300 episodes. It's a weekly show geared towards kind of 18 to 30 ish in age group, but it's really for anybody who's interested in learning about money. Got lots of parents and grandparents who listen, and it's just to make sense of, of things that are topical, things that maybe are basic and people just need a little breakdown on them. I try to tie in kind of current events. I love music, so I'm always incorporating musicians and, and celebrities into the lessons. Uh, so to make it really easy to understand and digest, and I do a lot of speaking for that age group as well. Most of my one-on-one -on -one or group coaching is geared towards working with entrepreneurs of all ages and across all different businesses. So really to help, let's get a, a state of what's the reality check of the financials in the business. Let me help you understand your, your statements and then let's move forward and build some cash flow forecasts, some key performance indicators to help you monitor the health of it. And then let's dig into your pricing and your costing because 
I work with business owners generally, sales are under $2 million and 85% of them are not pricing profitably. So you're kind of oh, facing- Oh, don't get an, me started. <laughs> you're facing an uphill battle if you're not making money on all your hard work. So uh, that's one of my, my goals is to help make business owners profitable. Uh, but we can only do that once we see the facts, once we start digging into everything. And it's really my privilege to get to be invited into people's lives to help them because uh, it's a really vulnerable thing. And- um, it's a, it really is a privilege and a pleasure to be able to do that. Best place to find me is on LinkedIn. So Tracy with an E and Bissett has two S's, two T's, and all my links will be there. So LinkedIn's the best place. Would love to hear from anybody who's listened today who has a question or a comment. Well, thank you so much. I have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I love breaking money silence with you. And I think your podcast great. So everybody check out the Young Money Podcast and definitely go to LinkedIn and connect with Tracy. And again, thanks for breaking money silence with me today. You are welcome. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.